1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we're going to read verses 12 through 20. And then we will go and read 27 as well. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 20. And then we will read verse number 27. How many of you know that when a preacher gets up, he should hear from the Lord on what he should speak about? Amen. And last night, I know that I heard the word of the Lord, and um, I hope that you love me after this morning, because I'm going to challenge the body of Christ today, and um, no, I did not have any talks with your pastor, but I know that the Lord spoke to me, and um, it's high time in the harvest field right now. There is an incredible harvest that is waiting on the church. Notice that we're not waiting on them. They're waiting on us. Are you with me this morning? Is this all right? All right. And the church has a commission on their life. And we are the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, if you have it, say amen. Verses 12 through 20. Amen. And if you don't have it, you can look on the cheater screen behind me. For as the body is one and hath many members, that means you, and all the members of that one body, even though they are many, they are one body, so also is Christ. How many of you know that there's only one God? For by one Spirit, we were all baptized into the body. It means when you go down in the water in Jesus' name, you become a part of the body. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, means that it doesn't matter your history, doesn't matter where you come from, doesn't matter the walk of life that you come from, but what we have here is open to whosoever will. So whether Jew or Gentile, bond nor free, we have all been made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member. Look at your neighbor and say, you are not just the body. Because the body is not made up of just one member, but many. And if the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I'm not a part of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not the body, is it therefore not the body? And if the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? And if the whole were hearing, where was the nose? How many of you know that we cannot all be just alike in the body of Christ? Now, I want to go down to verse number 18. Now hath God set every member of one of them into the body. That means you were chosen for this body. God has chosen you for this body as it has pleased Him. What that means is it really doesn't matter what you like. It really doesn't matter what you think as long as it pleases the Lord. 
and you were set here because it was pleasing to God. I don't know who, who you are in here today, but you need to get leaving off of your mind and you need to plant roots in this body. Hallelujah, you need to plant roots in this church because God has set you where you are for this moment. And if they all were one member, where were the body? But now they are many members, yet but one body. Now I want to go down to verse number 27. This is where we are going to to really get our main point out of. Now watch. Now you. Everyone say, now you. Look at your neighbor and say, that means you. Now you are the body of Christ. Members in particular. Now you are the body of Christ. Members in particular. This morning, if you'll help me preach today, I want to preach to you on the revelation of the body of Christ. The revelation of the body of Christ. All right. Now, I need your help this morning, okay? That means if I preach good, I need you to help me know that I'm preaching all right. Am I in a one God church this morning? Am I in an apostolic church this morning? Hallelujah. Now, we need to open up our hearts. We need to open up our minds so that we can receive what God is trying to challenge us with today. Now, listen, if you will receive this word, here's what I believe, Pastor Price. I believe that you guys are at a crossroads of which way that the church is going to go. And there's only one way that's the will. I said there's only one way that's the will. And if you will receive this word today, your church will be transformed from this moment on. Does anybody want that this morning? If you want that, why don't you lift your hands toward heaven today and would you just open up your heart to the Lord. Father, we need you today. God, we need your presence God, we need you. I pray that you would open up our minds, that we would be able to comprehend your word. I pray that you would open up our our hearts, that we might receive your word. I pray that you would open up our ears, that we might hear your word. In the name of Jesus, Father, we thank you right now for what you're about to do. And I pray in Jesus' name that there would be a freedom in this room today. In the name of Jesus, we rebuke everything that is not of you. And God, we pray that the Holy Ghost would take control from this moment on and that your will would be done in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. If you believe that, clap your hands and give God praise right now. Praise God. If you'll help me preach, you may be seated. If not, well, don't so I know who you are today. I really believe that we are living in the greatest time of the history of the church. I genuinely, I genuinely believe this. And, and this is something that we hear often. And when you hear something over and over again, it just becomes something that becomes normalcy to us. And we really are not able to comprehend what that means. You see... This is the greatest hour that the church has ever lived in. We are closer to the coming of the Lord than we have ever been. And we know that the Word says, in the last days, that's right now, God said, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Ladies and gentlemen, we're living in that day today. This is harvest time. This is revival. You look out in the harvest, and it's white, and it's ready for harvest. We are living in the greatest hour of the church, but yet I'm worried that we are living in the poorest time of the church. What do I mean by that? I mean that the church is the largest it has ever been. 
It's the greatest it has ever been. Yet we are doing the least we have ever done. You see, many churches in America today have become comfortable with where they are. And for the last 20 years, 25 years, they have become complacent with just a couple people and no more. But I have to tell you today that it's not the will of God that we do the least that we have ever done, but it's the will of God that we do the most we have ever done in this hour. You see, we have adopted a culture that is not the original plan of God. And we have come to believe that less means more. Less church. Less prayer. Less outreach. Less evangelism. We've adopted a culture that says less is more. But I've come to let you know today that that is a lie from the devil. We got to do more than we're doing right now. We have to pray more than we've ever prayed. We have to reach more than we've ever reached. Oh, come on, somebody. We've got to worship more than we've ever worshiped. We've got to preach more than we've ever preached. We don't need less church in this day. We need more church in this day. Jesus proclaimed that there is truly no shortage of harvest in the field. I don't know how many people live in Arkadelphia today. How many people live in the city? 12, 15,000 people. Ladies and gentlemen, you can't show me one church in our movement that is running 12,000 people. What I'm trying to tell you today is the harvest is plenteous. You see, the harvest in Arkadelphia is plenteous. There's plenty of people who need God. There's plenty of people who want God. There's plenty who want truth. And Jesus proclaimed that the issue is not the harvest field, but rather the issue is there is a shortage of laborers. I've come to tell you today that if your church is not where you want it to be, It is not because of the harvest field. It is because of the lack of workers. Nobody to labor in the field. Nobody to teach a Bible study. Nobody to plant a church on campus. Nobody to begin Bible clubs in high schools. Nobody to lead a group at their home every week for prayer. You see, the harvest is plenteous. But the laborers are few. We have to turn our vision this morning back where it needs to be. You see, our vision cannot just be in this one little church building. But the vision of the church must be on the harvest field. Pray ye therefore to the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers. But you see... We don't really comprehend this Bible verse. We don't really know what that means today. And if we, if we are not careful, we will get it in our mind. And every day we will go and we will pray that God would send us a man who would do the work. We would pray that God would send us somebody who will teach a Bible study. But I've come to tell you today that the laborers are you. And it's you. And it's you. We don't need to pray for anybody. We just need to do our job. We need to teach a Bible study. We are the laborers. Within you, when you have the Holy Ghost... When you have Jesus living in your heart, you have, begin, you have been given every tool that you need. And I've come to tell you today, he's not looking for anyone who has talent. He's not looking for your ability. He's not looking for your last name. He's not looking for your money. He's just looking for somebody who is willing to get out and willing to go. The text that I read this morning, Paul gives a revelation 
to the church of Corinth about the body of Christ. The revelation was the knowledge that those who made up the church were not just simply attendees of a church to a congregation, but rather they were indeed the body of Christ. God does not have you where you are today just to hold a pew down. He does not have you here just to... Just so you can make up a number, but but rather God has a plan for your life. God has something he needs you to do. There's someone that only you can reach that no one else can reach. There's someone that you can have impact on that no one else can have impact on. And God forbid that the church remains hidden in a church building like we have for 25 years. But the church needs to get out of the building and be the church out there and be the church at the coffee shop and be the church in the restaurant. And Paul's revelation was each of them served a purpose in the kingdom. God does not want you just to be here to hold down a seat and do nothing for him. But rather, within you is anointing and purpose and giftings and abilities and talents that God has allowed you to have so he can make you effective. You've got to realize today that not everybody is the hands of the church. Not everybody is the mouth of the church. I want want you to know today that if God never called you to preach, that does not mean that God didn't call you to ministry. And we... We put a limelight up here on this, on this little area, and it becomes our dream. It becomes what we want to do. And if you're going to be an active in ministry, you need to have a pulpit ministry. And we believe that lie. But I've come to tell you today that not everybody is the mouthpiece of the church. But rather, we need more people teaching Bible studies. We need more people getting on the instruments. We need more people cleaning the church. We need more people being active in ministry. We need more people in prayer ministry. We need intercessors in the church. You have a purpose here. One of, my, one of the most incredible things I've ever heard was when NASA was getting ready to launch man on the moon for the first time. And the president of the time, Kennedy, he went to NASA because he wanted a tour, Sister Bethany. He wanted to look at the control panels. He wanted to look, look at the big monitors where, where, where they were able to watch what was happening. And he was going and he was getting the tour. And there was a long hallway in NASA. And the president began to walk down the hallway and he noticed a man at the end of the hallway. The man was a janitor at NASA and he had a mop in his hand and he was mopping and he was he was happy as can be and what I've heard is that he almost felt terrible for him because he was only just a janitor at NASA and he walked up to this man as the president and the man never lost his eyesight on that mopping floor And he's mopping as the president comes up to him. And he says, good afternoon, sir. And he's mopping. And he says, good afternoon, Mr. President. How are you today? He said, I'm doing well. Now, if I might ask you, what are you doing today? Got a mop in his hand. Mopping up nasty floors. Dirty. Gross. Doesn't even look like it would be anything important. He's mopping, and, and he says, so what are you doing today? And the man was mopping, and he looked up, and he looked at the president like he was a, a crazy man. And he said, Mr. President, I'm helping put a man on the moon. 
it didn't look important. He wasn't in the limelight of the cameras. He wasn't in the limelight of the podium, but he was putting a man on the moon. He might have not been the mouthpiece. He might have not been the eyes or the ears of, of, of NASA, but he was important in NASA. I've come to preach to everyone in here who might just be a cleaner in the church. Your job is just as important in the kingdom as the pastor and the evangelist and the prophet and the apostle. You have value in the the kingdom of God. And Pastor Paul, we're not here to build our own kingdom. We're, we're, God forbid if we do what we do just so we can get a little bit of credit. Just so we can get a little bit, a little bit of limelight on us for what we do in the kingdom. This is not the kingdom of man. This is not the kingdom of Pastor Price, Bishop Price. This is not the kingdom of Brother Jordan. But this is God's kingdom. And everything we do is not for us. It's not so we get credit and that we get glory. But it's that he gets the credit and he gets the glory. Everything we do has to be about him and him alone. This world needs God. We're living in a day of wickedness in this world. Sin and perversion is worse than we have ever seen. This world needs Jesus Christ. And even though the body of Jesus Christ, the physical body, is not here anymore. The church is the image of Jesus Christ in the earth. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 tells us that men are the image and the glory of God in the earth. And women are the image of the church in the earth. We are the image of God. Christ is the body. The church is Christ's body. It means we are his hands. We are his feet. We are his mouth. And, and this is why that the last thing Jesus told the 12 was to go. The last thing Jesus ever preached to the disciples was you've got to go. Because this world needs the church and we cannot afford you hear me today we cannot afford to lock up what we have in the walls of this building and wait on them to come we don't have time to wait on them to come we've got to go to them the church has to go the church has to go we've got to go we've got to go we've got to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature We gotta go on Monday. We gotta teach on Tuesday. We've gotta reach on Wednesday. Am I helping someone today? Because Pastor Paul, if we're not careful, we will get trapped in religious traditionalism. I, I wanna debunk a lie today. I want you to look around at this beautiful place that we are in today. This beautiful, the walls are beautiful. The nice monitors, it's all great. But I've come to tell you today that these walls, these lights, this podium, that piano, that organ is not the church. You hear me tonight. This is not the church. You want to know where the church is? It's everyone in here who makes up this congregation. When we go, we're bringing church to them. When we teach, we're bringing church to them. When we teach that Bible study, we're bringing church to them. 
and religious traditionalism has lied and said it's okay for us to just be the church on the weekends and just be the church on Wednesday. But that was not the will of God. It is not the will of God. The will of God is for the church to go house to house, continue and steadfast in the apostles' doctrine. We can't afford to just be the church in this building. We've got to go. We've got to reach. And I come against right now that traditionalism spirit in this congregation right now. I don't care how you've done it for the last 150 years or however long that this church has been here. It's time for us to line up with this word. It's time for us to do what this word tells us to do. It's time to be who God called us to be. It's time to reach this world. It's time to do more than we've ever done. Romans chapter 10, verses 14 through 15 says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? In other words, how are they going to be saved on someone they don't even believe in? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? God forbid that the church hands are full of blood of those who are going to hell. Because they have not heard you teach Jesus to them. I know it's tight in here this morning, but just give me a little bit of leeway for just a minute. It says, how, how will they believe in him who they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? I want everyone to do this right in your chest right now. Ready for this? Notice this. Hold on a second. Preacher is not listed in the fivefold ministry. Pastors, teachers, evangelists, apostles, and prophets. So the question is who are the preachers? See, we call ourselves preachers. If, if, if we have a little license card, we are considered preachers. But you see, that's just something that we have adapted in culture. And how many of you know that the word of God does not change because of the culture, but rather the culture changes because of the word? So everyone do that right, right now. You want to know what this is speaking about? It's not meaning that just a small, a small amount of people can go out and preach the gospel. That means you're a preacher. That means you're a preacher. That means you're a preacher. I wish I had someone who really believed what I'm saying today. You don't need a license card. You don't need a pulpit. Your home can be your pulpit. Starbucks can be your pulpit. That restaurant can be your pulpit because we need a revival of preachers. We need a revival of, of men and women and boys and girls who will go and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Verse number 15, Romans 10. And how shall they preach except they be sent? Pastors, it's our job to get them out. It's our job to release them to operate in ministry. How shall they preach except they be sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. God is trying to change the direction of this church body today. And I've come to tell you today that it's time for the body to truly do what the body was meant to do. It's time for the body to activate into ministry. It's time for the body to be the body. It's time for the feet to go. It's time for the voice to preach. It's time for the hands to do the work. We need everybody involved. No one gets a back seat in this thing. No one gets a permission to do nothing. Everybody has to do something for the kingdom of God. It's time to go outside of these walls of this building and be the church out there. 
This building is not the church. We are the church. And the church was commissioned to go. What does this mean? That we are the body. It means we are his hands when we lay hands on the sick. It means we are his feet when we take this gospel to the next place, the next restaurant, the next town. And we are his mouth when we preach the gospel to whosoever will listen to our preaching. And you know what? Many people will not do the will of God because they are afraid of rejection. But Jesus told them, if they reject you, it's not because of you. It's because they reject me. Ladies and gentlemen, not everybody wants what we want. But my question is, are we going to let the majority... Are we going to let the majority make the church be hidden in a church building? Or are we going to go look for the hungry and look for the ones who want it and look for the ones who want truth and look for the ones who need deliverance and look for the ones who need restoration and look for the ones who need healing and look for the ones who want to be baptized in the lovely name of Jesus. It doesn't matter what the majority does. It's not your reputation. It's God's reputation on the line. Because, now listen, every part of our body is meant for a reason. God gave us our hands so we could work. Give us our eyes because the eyes have a job to do. The eyes are supposed to see. He gave us ears because the ears have a job to do. The ears are supposed to hear. What am I trying to tell you today? You can't tell me that you are a part of the body of Christ and do nothing. You can't tell me you are a part of the body and not do anything for his kingdom. Is that too tough, Pastor Paul? Because we are a body fitly framed together. What does that mean? It means that we were designed by God. That means everyone in this room is not here by happenstance. We have many personalities, many characteristics that make us unique. And we have, to, we have to look beyond our differences. It doesn't matter if you are Republican or Democrat. It doesn't matter if you're black or white. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. Because we're a part of one body. It's not segregated. It's not set apart. It's not this side versus that side. It's one body of Christ. And we are called to be a function of the body. That's why that we need everybody doing something so that the whole body is properly functioning. Well, there's no room for me. There's no room for me where I want to be used. It's not about where you want to be used. Because in the kingdom, we have to look for places that's missing. We got to look for vacancies. And it's our job to fill the vacancies. You see, I travel and I preach to many churches. And at home, I am also a pastor. And you know what? There are times when I become the janitor. God help us if we think that we are way too prideful and nice looking and too dressed and you don't know my anointing and you don't know my talent that we don't do anything that needs done. Am I helping someone this morning, Pastor Paul? Am I all right today? God forbid if we say, I'm too good to teach a Bible study. I want the pulpit. I want to have the microphone in my hand. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're not doing it out there, you're not going to do it in here. If you're not teaching out there, you're not going to teach in here. What am I trying to tell you today? we got to get our mind off of what we want. And we have to look on what is needed. Pastor Paul, we need Bible study teachers in this church. We need someone who will start a home group and bring their friends together. Because they might not darken the doors of the church right now. But they'll come to your dinner table. And they'll go to your home. And you've got to teach them about the gospel of Christ. Everybody in this room has a talent, 
And here's the deal, is there is no greater than another. The one who's leading worship is no greater than the one teaching the classroom for the kids. And I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but the pastor is no greater than the one who's mopping the floor because we all have one vision. That's the thing. That's the thing, Brother Price, is we got to get our, we have to get in one vision because when the day of Pentecost was fully come, when they were on the brink of the breakthrough, they were in one accord. What's that mean? They were in one thought. They were in one vision. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time that you line up your vision with the man of God's vision. It's time for you to line up your thoughts with the man of God's thoughts. Let him lead this church into revival. You hear me? This is an incredible congregation. There's probably a hundred and something people in this room today. But if you think this is all that God has for you, you are absolutely mistaken. Because God's plan is for you to triple and quadruple We've got to get behind the vision of what God is trying to do. And if the hand will do what the hand was meant to do, and if the mouth will do what the mouth was meant to do, and if the eyes will do what the eyes are meant to do, this building would not be able to contain the breakthrough and the revival that God would send to us. We can't wait for harvest to come to us. We have to go to them. I'm quickly coming to a close today. The musicians would come. The account of the great commission that we read in Acts 1 verse 8. It shows us that within the heart of the ones who were closest to him, there was a conflict. There was a conflict in their heart. I want you to go with me in your Bible to Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. I hope I'm helping you this morning. I hope you know the love that's in my heart for the church. Acts 1 verse 8. Watch this. How many of you, and if you don't, that's all right. How many of you in this room have ever received the Holy Ghost? Raise your hand high. That's great. And if you don't have it, you need to have it. And this could be your day today to receive that. Now watch. Jesus speaks. He says, but ye shall receive power. Everyone say power. After the Holy Ghost has come upon you, that means when you receive the Holy Ghost, you receive power. And if you look up the word power, Pastor Paul, if you look up the word power in the Greek, it literally means tools, like a hammer or like a drill. It means when you receive the Holy Ghost, you have all the tools that you need. It says you shall, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And here's where we run into our conflict. Are you ready for this? Watch. And you shall be witnesses to me both in Jerusalem. And Jerusalem was the home base for them. Jerusalem was where they all lived and they were all raised. And it was a place that they were extremely comfortable with. And then he says, not just in Jerusalem, they were happy with Jerusalem. And then it says, and in Judea. And even though that was, a, that was just north of them, it was a place that they knew well. It was, that would be a place where they would go to often, probably every week. And they were comfortable with that because it felt like home. He said, you are going to be a witness to me in Jerusalem. And they all say, yes. I'm going to be a witness... For you at home and in Judea yeah I'll go to Judea I guess you know they have our culture they have our beliefs they believe what we believe they look like we do they talk like we do they act like we act we are cool as long as they are like us but then 
Here's where the hard part comes. He says, Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. Oh, wait. You got this all wrong. Do you know who's in Samaria? They're not like us. They don't look like us. They don't have the same religion we have. They don't believe like we believe. I'll go to Jerusalem. I'll go to our home church. Are you ready for this? I'll go to Judea. I'll go to Holiday Youth Convention. I'll go to North American Youth Congress. And I'm going to live this thing. And I'm going to proclaim Jesus. I'm going to do it because I'm comfortable there. But Samaria... You see, they were afraid of Samaria. Jews would not go through Samaria. They would go around Samaria. Because they didn't believe like they did. I've got a question for you today. If Jesus went to the well in Samaria who are we to tell him that we won't go into Samaria ourselves because because Pastor Paul we're the body and Jesus in flesh went to Samaria and you see this is why I believe that the Lord allowed persecution upon the church he allowed them to be sent into prisons. He allowed them to be sent on the islands. He allowed them to be shred. And there were some who were even killed. And if you ask me what I believe, and I'm not saying that you have to believe what I believe today. And if Pastor Paul or Bishop Price might not agree with me, I want you to agree with what they believe because they are your covering. But I very well believe that the reason that he allowed pressing to come is so they would be scared scattered from Jerusalem. Ladies and gentlemen, Jerusalem is this building. We were raised here 20, 30, 40 years here. Everybody looks like we do. Everybody talks like we do. Everybody believes like we believe. And yes, there is ministry to do in Jerusalem. But not all ministry can be done in Jerusalem. And not all ministry can be done in Judea. What that means, and if, and if I'm going to put that into context, that could be a church a couple towns over that we go and visit and we act like we're doing something for the kingdom. But what about Samaria? What, what about the woman at the well who's looking for a drink from a well that never ran dry. Church, that we have to go to Samaria. Are you with me this morning? Is this all right? We have to go to Samaria. We have to get out, out of these walls. We gotta quit trying to just be the church in here. And that's why God sent this young preacher to you today. Because for too long we've tried it a way that, that, yes, it worked. Yes, we had 150, 200. But I believe that this church has more. I believe that this church has purpose, destiny for revival. This could become a catalyst for revival in this area. But I'm going to tell you something. You're not going to get to where God wants you to be by just remaining in Judea. But we've got to go out. We've got to go out. We've got to... Less is not more. Less is not more. Church on Sunday and Wednesday, and that's all we do, is not more. It's not enough. We need a Bible study teacher who would teach a Bible study on a Monday. 
We need, we need young people who will go evangelize Arkadelphia on Tuesday. The church of the original book of Acts was not a weekly church. It was a daily church. Daily becoming what God wants us to be. I hear the voice of the Lord speaking to us today. And God's trying to change this church into a church, not just weekly, but a daily church. And you say, well, I don't have the ability. I, I don't have the ability to teach a Bible study. But would you believe that the original 12 of the book of Acts, they had to pray for boldness? The Bible said they prayed for boldness because they were not enough on their own. And you... Right now, you might not know how to teach a Bible study, but I'm going to tell you today that we have men of God in this room who will help you learn how to teach Bible studies. Would you know that you very likely could be the only Bible a lost soul will ever read? What are you living? What are you what are you living? I was watching a podcast today, or a few weeks back, and it was a Jewish man, and it was a Muslim man, and they were in a podcast, and they're talking about religion. And the Jewish man and the Muslim man, with all of their religious differences, were laughing at Christianity. And the whole theme was they really think they are religious yet they do the least they do the least they don't live it every day they don't pray every day they don't read every day church we got to become a daily church everyone get up on your feet with me stand with me today I hope you all still love me after this morning my job, I got to preach the word of the Lord. And, and yeah, yeah, it is a little tight in here this morning because I'm coming against your culture. God is trying to challenge your culture. This, this altar call might not be for everyone today. But if you desire, if you desire to become more than what this church is right now. If you want to see breakthrough, if you want to see harvest and growth, I want you to come to the front with me. ask you a question today and I don't come to you from condemnation and I don't want you to have condemnation this morning how many of you this year have taught a one-on-one Bible study church do we want revival we can't put all all of the weight on the pastor anymore but the hands have to be involved the feet have to be involved the eyes have to be involved the ears have to be involved typically I run my altar calls completely different typically I lead the altar call today but I feel in my spirit right now that you need to get down on your face this morning And you need to pray that God would help you change your culture this morning.
Would you do that? I'm not going to lead you. The musicians are going to play. The singers are going to sing. I just want you to get on your face this morning. God's challenging us today. God's trying to change us today. If you're back in your seat, why don't you just kneel right where you are today? That's all right. Everybody down on their face. We need to repent before the Lord right now. And we got to pray that the church culture would change. That God would challenge us to never be the same. We've got to teach a Bible study, ladies and gentlemen. We've got to reach this world. We've got to do more than we've ever done. It is harvest time in the field. It is time to see revival. But we got to do everything that the church is called to do. Come on. Let that voice raise right now. Let that voice raise right now. We're changing a culture this morning. Come on, that's it, young people. You can start that Bible club. That's it, hyphen. You can start that campus ministry. That's it, mom and dad. You gotta turn your home into a preaching point. You gotta turn your home into a Bible study place. We're gonna turn the coffee shop into a Bible study place. It's time for the church to get involved this morning. Come on, that's it. Come on, I want you to lift your voice this morning. Lift your voice today. Lift your voice today. God will lead you to hungry people. God will lead you to those who want it. church can't be a church of addition. It has to be a church of multiplication. Take my hands, Lord, take my feet. Touch my heart, Lord, speak to me. Yeah, yeah. church. This building is not the church. You're the church. Everywhere you go is the church. Come on, seek the face of God right now in this room. Seek the face of God in this room today. Seek the face of God. In the name of Jesus. Take my hands, Lord, take my feet, touch my heart. 